0: children can go back uh, to the back, and so I know it's a little warm in here today. We're trying to figure out if our AC is on the fritz a little bit, but where I've been this week, I'm chilly, uh, comparatively speaking. It's been 104 where we were at, so I kind of got used to it, but uh, we appreciate your patience with that. Matthew chapter 18, so we're at this morning, I'm grateful that you're here with us, as always, uh, in the house of God. It's a blessing to be able to serve together. And open his word together. Uh, a man was bitten by a stray rabid dog. And his friend heard about it and rushed over to see how he was doing and, and how, what he was, what, how bad it was. And, and, uh, when he got there, he found his friend frantically writing on a piece of paper. And he said, you know, buddy, uh, rabies is treatable. I mean, you don't have to write out a will. It's not a death sentence anymore. And his friend said, Will? What will? I'm making a list of people I want to bite. (laughs) Now, how many of us here have a list of people you would like to bite if you ever got rabies? How many am I on that list? I hope you don't raise your hand on that one. But how much better, how much better is forgiveness? As we look at the friends of Jesus, I want to come back again once, one more time, maybe, uh, to Peter. And a question that Peter asked Jesus, and when he asked this question, it turned out significantly different than he thought. And so I want to look at Matthew chapter 18 and uh, go through some passage, uh, this passage today, and see what we can learn from it. I'm grateful to have uh, some of my family here today. Uh, Lydia and Caleb made it to town this week from Washington State, and uh, will hopefully be moving and uh, into someplace other than our house very soon. Amen. So. But until then, we're uh, helping them. We're grateful to have them with us. And then also, 28 years ago today, I became a daddy. And uh, so that's we're celebrating that as well today. So what a blessing that is. Matthew 18, I'm going to start at verse number 23. Therefore, as the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants, when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for for as much he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and then took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, they were they were very sorry, and came and told their lord all that was done. Then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if, in, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. I want to preach today on the freedom of forgiveness. The freedom of forgiveness. To forgive is to set a prisoner free only to find that you are that prisoner. So I want to talk today about the freedom of forgiveness. Father, I ask you today to use this message because as I was even thinking this morning and praying along these lines, I believe everyone in this building, especially including me, can make an improvement in this area. I pray you'd help us listen attentively to what you have for us from your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we look at a parable that Jesus gave in response to a question from Peter uh, the Peter comes to Jesus with a question and we, we remember we lot we talked about Peter and how questioning he was he asked a lot of questions which is a good thing and so he comes to Jesus with a question and uh, Peter somebody evidently had done Peter wrong or or he was at least using this as an illustration and and Peter forgave him and then they did him wrong again. Maybe the same thing and Peter forgave him again and then for a third time they did him wrong again and Peter forgave again. And and so he comes to Jesus here because now he's a little bit getting upset about it. And he comes with a question that all of us can understand. It's found in verse 21. How oft or often... Shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How much mistreatment do I have to take off of somebody before I say that's enough? How much do I have to take? When do I get to turn quit? When do I get to quit turning the other cheek? I heard a story about an Irish boxer who got saved and he became an evangelist. And he would hold tent meetings all over the place and preach. And and uh, But he used to be a boxer and a very good boxer. Uh, one day he's setting up this tent and, we're, and preparing for a meeting. And a group of hoodlums came by and started harassing him and making fun of him. And, and uh, just giving him a hard time insulting them. And he ignored him. This only made them bolder. And finally they started to get a little physical. And one of them actually hit him right in the side of his face. And uh, he, he still kept ignoring them. He kept... Uh, working with his tent, and then another blow came uh, from one of the uh, hoodlums on the other side of his face. And uh, he counted up the blows, one on this cheek and one on this cheek. And he thought to himself, as he took off his coat, rolled up his sleeves, the Lord gave me no further instructions. Wham! And he went out after him. When can I do that? When can I say enough is enough? That's what Peter wanted to know. And we can identify with Peter, can't we? When is it okay to blow your stack? When is it okay to finally deliver that so well-deserved knuckle sandwich? Uh, Peter, Peter didn't wait for an answer. He had one ready. Uh, now, Peter, if we've learned anything about him, we know Peter likes uh, praise. He likes to be bragged on. And he likes to be the center of attention. And uh, he likes when other men uh, admire him. And now he's about to impress Jesus in a big way. In fact, Jesus is probably going to use Peter in his sermon illustrations from here on out because he has an answer ready that's going to make him very look very good and it's going to impress Jesus. Uh, you see, the rabbis taught that you had to, as a Jew, you had to forgive somebody three times. And that was it. In fact, in the Mishnah, the the Jewish people in that time had something we do not have. They actually had a written policy. You don't have to forgive after three times. That was written down. It was recorded. After three times, somebody does the same thing to you three times, you don't have to forgive after that. And so Peter thinks, I'm going to really impress Jesus here. I'm going to double that, add one. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, seven after all is a perfect number. Jesus is going to be proud of him. Jesus, I will forgive seven times. That's quite a feat. By human standards, what he said here was enormous. Forgive a man seven times. Several months ago, I got cussed out. It happens to preachers too. And... Uh, I got, I mean, really bad. And it was just, it was unreasonable. It was not not something that I had legitimately done. It was just sometimes people get very frustrated. And uh, it was in my face. It was just, and uh, later, um, this lady really, really unloaded. And later, profusely apologized. And I forgave her. Several months later, same person, same thing. Did it again. Finger in my face and just really unloading. And several days after that, Apologize profusely again. Uh, it was easier... I did forgive, but it was easier the first time than it was the second time. Now, it didn't happen to me seven times, but I can assume that by about number five, I don't feel like forgiving anymore. And Peter, he goes all the way up to number seven. He says, I'll forgive seven times. Now, his heart was pure, but his attitude was wrong. He wanted to put a legal limit on his forgiveness. Uh, a number. He wanted a place, like we all do, a place where he could say, okay, no more. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. Now I'm done. I don't have to forgive anymore. And uh, Jesus answered him in verse 22, I say not unto thee until seven times, until 70 times seven. That thunk you hear is Peter's jaw hitting the floor. 70 times seven. For by my math, That's 490 times. Right? Okay, I'm right. Am I not? Okay, be impressed. I was homeschooled. That's 490 times. Okay, this is going to be hard to keep track of. Uh, If I have to, if I have to forgive 490 times to keep track of this, I'm going to have to have a chart because you don't just remember those things. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a checklist. And when I forgive somebody, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Wes Pegor is talking out there, and he said that when, my, when I opened my wallet, it squeaked and Lincoln shielded his eyes. I think he was calling me a skin flint, tight. And I'll forgive, I forgave. But it's counting up. See what I'm saying? You got a few more to go. But soon I'm going to hit 490. Then I don't have to forgive anymore. Jeremy even. <laughs> Last week, he came and, and he poked me in my belly. Said something about it being soft. I <laughs> think he called me fat. This is the way I took it. And I forgave. I forgave. But he's counting up. And it won't have so long. Boy, these guys keep at it, and soon I'll have hit the limit, hit 490, and then it's payday. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Is that what Jesus meant? No, it's not what he meant at all. Uh Jesus is telling Peter, you got it all wrong, Peter. You don't count the number of times you forgive someone. Forgiveness is unlimited. By the time you did get up to 490, don't you think you'd be in a habit of forgiving by then? That's the idea. It's not a counting proposition. And so Jesus, to answer Peter's question, tells a story. The story that we read a moment ago. It says in verse 27 that the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Now, there's three things that we see in this verse that happened that I want to point out to you. The first thing that's very important is the Bible says he had compassion. He had compassion. If you want to avoid the trap of bitterness and anger, the first thing you need to do is to take pity or have compassion on the person that wronged you. This doesn't mean you just feel sorry for them. The word literally means that you have your heart go out to somebody. You feel their pain. In other words, you identify with them. You feel what they feel. That's the meaning of the word compassion in this verse. You, to have compassion on somebody who wronged you, you have to deliberately assume a certain thought process. And I said deliberately of reminding yourself just how much you have in common with that person that you have a problem with. You put yourself in their place. You empathize. You sympathize. That's the idea here of compassion. Uh, your flesh does not want to do this. That's why I said it has to be intentional. You have to intentionally put yourself into that mindset. Your flesh wants to highlight the differences between you and the person that you have a problem with, the wrongdoer, let's say. But according to this text, to actually, you have to identify with the person, you have to get to the point where you say, you know, I'm not really that different than this person. I also have Maybe the same problems or the same issues. A couple of weeks ago, uh, as you know, we had the arts in the park here in town. And my daughter and I went because we had very important business to attend to there. Uh, she needed to purchase a funnel cake and I needed to get a foot long corn dog. Amen. Uh, and while we were there, we were, we walked through some of the booths and one of the people, one of the things I saw was a caricature artist. You've seen those before? And you sit down in a chair and they take a big sheet of paper and they start to draw you up. And I always am really impressed with the talent of people like that. But the, I, the deal with caric, caricature artistry is that what they do is they take something about you that stands out and they blow it up in a big way. So if you have big ears, I mean, they're going to be elephant ears by the time you see that caricature of yourself. If you have a big nose, it's going to be a huge banana there in the, in the caricature that they draw of you. They take what stands out among you a little bit and they blow it up into something really big. That's what you do when you're angry with somebody. Say somebody has lied to you and you're angry at them for it. Well, somebody else might ask, well, why did they lie to you? She lied to me because she's a liar. That's, a that's making a caricature out of her personality because you've reduced her to the lie. But wait, if you lie to somebody and somebody asks you, why did you lie? You won't say, because I'm a liar. You'll say, well, you know, the situation. I know I shouldn't have said that, but this was going on and this is how I was feeling. And we, when we look at ourselves, we're very careful because we understand I'm human, I'm nuanced. There's a bunch of, uh, there, there's a whole lot of, um, of, of of things going on that we need to understand and there's context here. But when you think of the person that we're angry at, we just we just reduce her, she's a liar, he's a liar. We don't caricature ourselves, but we sure do others if we're angry with them. Compassion then is when our heart goes out to somebody and we feel what they feel. We do not say, I would never do that. What we do say is, no, you know, I'm not really that different. Listen to this statement made by Miroslav Volf. It's, it, it's, it's very wise. Listen to this. Forgiveness fails because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans and I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Well, isn't that good? That's what we do. We dehumanize those who offend us and we elevate ourselves even when we do the exact same thing that they do. We are very good defense attorneys for ourselves. You ever notice that? Now, they will tell you in a courtroom that anybody who decides to defend themselves has a fool for a client. You ever heard that before? Uh, It's not wise to defend yourself in a court case, but we do that in life. We defend ourselves and make allowances for ourselves all the time. You can only, listen to this, you can only stay angry at someone if you feel superior to them. Otherwise, you won't stay angry at them. We have to stop stop caricaturing our enemies. must let our heart go out. We must identify. So the second thing we see in this verse is he canceled the debt. He not only had compassion, but he canceled the debt. Uh, here we are at the heart of what it means to forgive. What the Bible says about the idea of forgiveness is better understood when we look at the size of the debt that this servant had. Uh, how much did he owe the king? It tells you 10,000 talents. Now, we don't get that because we don't deal in talents. When's the last time your kid, Hey, Dad, can I have a talent? You wouldn't give them a talent, by the way, because it was a lot of money. A denarius was a day's wage, so the average person would make about 300 denarius a year in that time. And so, and historians disagree a little bit, but they know that somewhere between 5,000 and 15,000 denarius per one talent, and this was 10,000 talents. So we're talking in the neighborhood of 50 to 100 million was this debt that this man owed. Now, when you think of a servant, what do you think of? Butler? gardener, or cook. This wasn't who we're looking at here. This wasn't just a simple butler because he wouldn't have racked up a debt that large. He was probably what's called a satrap or a regional governor in that time. And this governor, through either mismanagement or corruption, has squandered away an enormous amount of money. It's shocking, isn't it, that a political official could be corrupt? Shocking, shocking stuff. Some of them are so crooked, we're going to have to screw them into the ground when we bury them. But uh, the sum, the sum here was so enormous that the king's ability to govern could be jeopardized. The king could have sold him and his family and seized all of his assets. And that wouldn't have covered the debt, but it might have made a dent in it. Instead of doing that, he canceled the debt. He just canceled it. Now, what does this mean? It doesn't mean it went away. It means he absorbed it. it. means he paid it. Because of debt doesn't just, poof, go into thin air. Somebody has to pay it. And he paid it. He, he absorbed the loss. And so that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is paying the debt rather than making the perpetrator pay it him or herself. And uh, the, that's really all it is. We ask, how does that work in our life? Well, when you forgive... What you do is you absorb the debt. You cut off the oxygen to self-centeredness, to bitterness, and to anger, and it can dissipate then. Let me ask you this question. I want you to think about it because I put quite a bit of thought into this this week. Do you begin to feel forgiveness, then grant it? Or do you grant it and then begin to feel it? Just think about that for a second about the last time you forgave somebody. Do you begin to feel the forgiveness and then grant it? Or do you grant the forgiveness and then begin to feel it? Now, what the Bible teaches us is that we grant forgiveness before we feel it. You may uh, think, and I may think, well, I have to stop being so angry. I have to feel less angry and less bitter before I can let it go and forgive. No, no, if you wait Till you feel better to grant forgiveness, you'll never grant it. You'll stay in a prison of your own making. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. It's obvious here and in other places too that forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not a response to the emotions. It's an act of the will. Uh, or, or otherwise Jesus wouldn't have said that. So that's what it means to cancel the debt. Does it hurt? Yes. Yes, it hurts. That's the payment part of the debt. When you want to lash out and instead you say something kind, that hurts. When you've got to curb your tongue, when you've got the perfect insult to hand out, that hurts. When you have to absorb an insult without retaliation, that hurts. Why? Because you're paying the debt instead of making them pay the debt. As a result, your heart will soften instead of harden. As a result, you'll escape prison. Somebody wronged you this week or last month or last year or ten years ago. Cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. That's what I'm asking you to do today. Then number three, he loosed him, the Bible says, or let him go. Now, didn't he do something wrong? Yes, he did. But at great risk, probably to himself, he let him go. He absorbed the debt. And what's going on here is that this man's condition illustrates our state before God. We are all 10,000 talent debtors, and there's no way we can pay it. God has poured onto us life and abilities and opportunities and all these things, and we have misappropriated His investment, we have abused His gifts, we have wasted our substance, and we have in the process accumulated a massive, immense debt. And our only hope is, as the servant did, to cast ourselves down before the master and beg for mercy. But the debtor, an interesting part in our story here, he did not have any grasp of the principle of grace. He just knew he was in trouble. He knew he was in big trouble. And so when he got down in front of the king on his knees, he didn't ask for grace. He asked for more time. Lord, have patience with me. Now, there's no way he could have paid this debt. But he asked for patience, but praise God, he asked for patience, but he got pardon. Amen. And you and I, we have a debt we cannot pay. And when we come to God and ask for, you know, we do, all, many people try to do things to make up the debt. Go to church, do good deeds, give money, and do all these things to try to earn that and understand you'll never pay the debt. And you come to Jesus Christ and you beg for mercy and he'll give you pardon. Amen. What a blessing. And that's all wonderful until we see what happens next. Because now, here he is. He did what any of us would have done. He's fallen on his knees and begged. He even made ridiculous promises to pay the man back, which wasn't possible. And, And he got forgiven. The debt got canceled. Now he's on cloud nine. Can you imagine how it would feel to have that much debt taken off your shoulders? And he is probably whistling. He may be even skipping as he leaves the palace there. And as he walks out in this high emotional joy, he spots out of the corner of his eye a man who owed him some money. It wasn't much. It was in the neighborhood of $15. Some guy had borrowed 15 bucks for a romantic a date to Taco Bell with his wife, and, and uh, he had not paid it back. And so our hero, the Bible says, goes over to him, grasps him, grabs him by the neck, And shoves him against the wall, demanding that money. Verse 29 is almost a word for word replay of verse 26. Only the roles have reversed now. Now, there's one big difference here. This servant will not forgive the measly $15 debt. He had the man thrown in prison. But he was observed. Can I tell you, if you're going to be stingy, do it in the dark. (laughs) Uh, He was observed. And people saw what happened and they were not shocked at the fact that he wouldn't forgive this friend. You have every right to expect the repayment of a debt. What they were shocked at is that he was so unforgiving after he had been forgiven for so much himself. And they went and told the king. And this understandably made him furious. He sends out his soldiers and they haul the man in. And at this time, there will be no mercy. Jesus paints a very clear picture about the nature of forgiveness. And we see in this story the participants in the forgiveness because there was an offended party. We see that. It was the king, specifically. But there, in this story, being wronged or offended is paralleled to having a debt that someone owes us. The debt is the responsibility of the other person, but it costs us at the same time. Jesus said every single one of us can expect to be wronged in our life. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but could you? Have you ever been wronged? Absolutely. We've all been wronged in our life. And guess what? You keep on breathing, you'll be wronged again. It's just going to happen. That's a part of life. Uh, he said in John 16, These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But not only did Jesus instruct us that we will be wronged, He showed us how to act when we are. Specifically, do not ignore the offense. Uh, allowing a spirit of bitterness to develop rather seek restoration can i tell you gossip and vengeance do not produce restoration god's methods though they always do so there's the offended party and then there's the one who sinned verse 24 now it's easy for us to acknowledge that we've been offended or somebody has wronged us it's a little harder for us to admit when somebody uh, or when we are the offender but because of our human nature we will inevitably wrong someone else. And Jesus instructed us on how to respond in that scenario as well. Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if I bring thy gift to the altar and there it remembers that thy brother have ought against thee, leave the gift at the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now you might be in here and say, I'll oh, preacher, I'm faithful in my devotions. I do my I read my Bible every day, I pray every morning. If you have ought with somebody, Jesus says, skip it, make it right with them, and then come back to that. That's pretty strong language, but that's what he's telling us here. God's will is found in that essential word reconcile in that verse, which means to bring back together. It is accomplished through humble repentance of the one who sinned, and it is uh, then the grace-driven forgiveness from the one who has been offended. And then thirdly, there's another participant here, There's the Lord, the omniscient Lord. The servants weren't the only players in this story. The parable had a third character, a certain king, verse 23. He's the one to whom the servants were accountable. Uh, He's the one who was moved with compassion. Now, do you think when he had the man by the throat up against the wall, do you think if the king was standing right there watching it that he would have done that? No, he wouldn't have at all. If the king happened to be beside him, he'd have said, "Ah." What's $15? Let it go. It's all right. No big deal. But he, he, the king was not there, but he heard about it, verse 31. And as Christians, we'd be wise to remember God's omniscience. He is all-knowing. God's omnipresence. He is everywhere. And the one who has forgiven you so much in your life is always watching when you have an opportunity to forgive someone else and don't do it. This is a sad state of our Christianity. If we live like that. And it's also a game changer for us. Because the reason we forgive others, and the reason we must forgive others, is because of how much He's forgiven us for. Ephesians tells us, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, uh, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You see, we're like that unforgiving servant. We stand before Almighty God and we have a, our sins are piled up like a mountain. That mountain is so tall we can't get over it. It's so deep we can't get under it. It's so wide we can't get around it. And then we stand before Him and our sins are like this $50 million debt that we could never pay. In a thousand lifetimes, we come as debtors to God with empty hands, nothing we can do about it, and God offers pardon. He cancels the debt and He forgives our sins. He tells us about His Son, Jesus Christ, who already paid the debt that we have. Hallelujah. Then we rise from the pew. Whew, that's exciting, isn't it? You remember when you got saved? What a day. You're excited. You're happy. Because you've been forgiven. All your sins are wiped away. And like it tells us in 1 John 1.9, not only does he forgive, but he cleanses. And now you're cleansed and you're excited and you rise up from your pew. We walk out of the church happy, excited, ready to give our testimony, singing what a friend we have in Jesus. Then out of the corner of our eye, we see someone who wronged us. We're just like that debtor. Just like that... First servant, we want to grasp him by the throat and make him pay. No wonder we're tormented. No wonder we're so angry and bitter. No wonder we have so many problems in our life. No wonder we can't get along because we've never learned the secret of unlimited forgiveness. We experience it, but we don't offer it. And it's a terrible way to live the Christian life. Forgiveness is wonderful because the forgiver always has the last word. They do it, they do it, they do it, and you forgive and forgive and forgive. You always have the last word as the forgiver because they can't do it more than you can forgive them. And so you just keep forgiving. The debt that the servant was asked to forgive was far less than the debt that the king had already forgiven him. It would do us well, friend, to remember all that God has forgiven us for. When somebody needs forgiveness from us, we'll be so much more likely to give it. So that's the participants. Then you have the principle of forgiveness. Forgiveness sometimes requires repeating. (laughs) Luke 17, 4. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, it goes worse here. Then seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now we went from seven times to seven times in a day. That means I'm sorry, you're forgiven. I'm sorry, you're forgiven. Just over and over and over, whatever the sin might be. If the del- uh, it, it's, a, it's a tremendous temptation to not forgive. And then no, number two, forgiveness is permanent. By the way, Jesus showed me how to do that. Forgive somebody over and over and over in a single day because He did it to me. And He showed me by, uh, by forgiving me. Has, has He had to forgive you for seven times in one day? He's had to do that for me. Can we do it for others? Number two, forgiveness is permanent. Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgression from us. Listen, friend, if the devil comes knocking on your door about your past or your sin, you send him east. If he comes back again, send him west, because that's where they are, as far away from each other as we can imagine. Hebrews 10.17, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The word remember there is, uh, the original word is manah, and it means to be mindful of. Forgiveness means we choose not to remember the offense. Forgiveness means that we choose not to dwell on what happened. Corey Ten Boom was wronged by some Christian friends. She's an author and, and went through the Holocaust and, and uh, she was writing about this, that she was bitter and, and finally she forgave them. But she kept on waking up and remembering what had happened and she had a hard time getting over it. And then one day she's looking out at a church bell and she sees where somebody, you've seen it, where they have to pull on the rope and then the bell sounds and they pull again and the bell sounds. When they let go of the rope soon that peeling of the bell will subside. And what she said is when we forgive someone we also have to take our hand off the rope because as long as we tug at our grievances and as long as we tug at our injustices then of of course we'll be angry. The bell will keep tolling. And I'm asking today, friend, take your hand off the rope. Take it off. Cancel the debt. Number three, forgiveness prevents bitterness. It's been said that bitterness is like drinking poison to hurt someone else. How many of us have fallen victim to bitterness? The Lord wants us to uh, warns us very clearly in Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. How much better would our relationships be if we could forgive? President uh, Abraham Lincoln, I, I'm I've read kind of in the middle of reading a book called Team of Rivals. The reason I'm in the middle of it is about as long as the Bible. Uh, it's a super long book, and uh, so. But in this book, I read about Edwin Stanton. He was one of Lincoln's original, uh, one of his worst critics when they were running for president. And, And in fact, Edwin Stanton called Abraham Lincoln the original gorilla. That's a nice name, isn't it? But when Lincoln was elected president, he forgave Stanton of all those things. And he chose Stanton to be his secretary of war because, as he put it, he is the best man for the job. At Lincoln's funeral... Edwin Stanton, a once bitter enemy, said these words to a friend beside him, there lies the most perfect ruler of men that the world has ever seen. Don't you think we could impact more people if we just learn to forgive, learn to get over things that happen to us? Now back to Peter. Peter asked the question, how many times do I have to forgive before I can get some revenge? In his answer, Jesus was demonstrating the gospel. Because if you hold a grudge, at the very least, you are blocking the effect of the gospel in your life. You demonstrate to those around you that you don't believe the gospel at all. Either way, uh, spiritually speaking, you could imprison yourself if you do not forgive. To quote Queen Elsa of Arendelle, let it go, let it go. Do you want me to sing it? No, I will not. You've already heard it 10,000 times, okay? But We'll just let it go at that. Let it go! Free yourself! You see, Jesus was not attempting... Don't miss, this is so important. He wasn't attempting to set free the people that offended Peter. He was trying to set Peter free. Because in forgiveness, when we learn to forgive, we're setting ourselves free. We're not setting those others free. The freedom of forgiveness... Take an inventory today, dear friend. Is there someone you've wronged? You should seek forgiveness. Is there someone who has wronged you and repented and you withheld forgiveness? Don't swallow the poison of bitterness. It'll destroy you in your life. Grant forgiveness today. And it's not easy. That's why the weak cannot forgive. The weak don't forgive. Forgiveness is the attribute of the strong, not the weak. I ask you today to be strong. Now, one more thing as we close. The response that the wicked first servant had when he grabs the man by the neck, his response to his pleas were to have him thrown in prison. But I ask you, where did he end up? Well, he ended up in prison as well. And that's exactly what will happen to us. If we hold other, we won't let it go. We won't forgive. We uh, make them suffer for their crime. We're going to end up in torment as well as He did. And You will find that when you do not forgive, you'll find yourself in a prison of your own construction. I ask you today to choose forgiveness. Only then will you truly be free. The freedom of forgiveness. How many times, Jesus? Seven times? <laughs> Jesus chuckles. ha! <laughs> Nope. 70 times 7. Just make it a pattern in your life. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because after all, that's what He's done for you. So have every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm sure in a crowd this size, I'm talking to someone, maybe you've withheld forgiveness. Maybe you've allowed bitterness to creep into your heart. And you want to There needs to be a time, friend, where you just let go of the rope, where you let go of those bitter feelings and those angry feelings because you are the prisoner, not the person that you're angry at. Would you settle that with God even today as you stand along with me, eyes closed, heads bowed, if you would just stand along with me. She's going to begin to play. And as she plays, would you respond if God